Benfica Podcast is one of the founding partners or founding projects of Benfica Independent. Uh, BenficaIndependent.com is a site where you can find tons and tons of content. Our podcast included Brinco do Batista, Benfica FM, along with uh, uh, audio uh, recaps uh, of games, a lot of podcasts about modalidade, if that's your thing and you want to keep up uh, with the modalidade, but you really don't have the time uh, on your schedule to watch the modalidade on BTV, you can now catch the recaps and also modalidade talk on Befig Independent, along with a lot of uh, uh, opinion articles, uh, all independent, everyone with their own opinion. There's no agenda between a Befig uh, Independent. The only thing is that we just want what's best uh, for the club. Uh, Befig Independent is also on Patreon with two levels of support, one at two and one at five. Uh, and I believe the five gets you some uh, free swag. So uh, if you like the content and if you like what's produced on there, uh, please do support us uh, by going to uh, patreon.com backslash Benfica Independent. Calma de quem é grande, maior que os maiores. É uma paixão para a explicação. Eu não consigo explicar o que é ser do Benfica. Eu sinto o que é ser do Benfica. É de facto uma paixão. E as paixões são assim, vivem-se assim, intensamente. Aqui não há nenhuma razão. É paixão, paixão, paixão. Ser Benfica. Até à morte. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Talking to the Doll Benfica podcast. My name is Alfredo Fumasas. With me, Dave de Oliveira. What's happening, Dave? Nothing much, Alfredo. Good to be back on uh, this evening discussing all things uh, Benfica. Yeah, with with us tonight. Al Cristiano couldn't be with us, but uh, he he's with us in spirit. And I, I promise, there's there's no contract negotiation stalling or anything like that. Cristiano is still a member of this podcast. He just had to. Uh, you just had to, to take a break for, for a second for some personal reasons, but he's, uh, he supports us and he's with us. Um, with us tonight, uh, an, an, an oldie but goodie, uh, you know him as Negative George. It's been quite a bit, uh, since he's been on a podcast. AJ, George, Duarte, what's happening, my brother? Hey, I couldn't be happier the, uh, being here tonight. It's been like you said too long. What a difference it was! It's it's been since the last time I uh, I was on. Um, but I'm so happy you, to be here. Do, do you remember last time you were on and and yeah. what Befica was doing at the time? Well, I know they weren't doing what they're doing now. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> they, they weren't they weren't struggling to beat everybody and and looking ugly doing it. But hey, we'll no. It's these low times that make the good times taste even sweeter. There you go. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so before we, we get into, um, into the program for tonight, and this is episode 402, I forgot to mention that. But George, um, thoughts, man, thoughts on, on the season so far. And, and I'm sure that you, uh, there's a lot of common ground that you share with, with our thoughts, but I wanted to get, you always have an interesting view on everything that's going on. W- w- what's been your thoughts in these past, uh, you know, let, let's say from the appointment of JJ, were, were you in favor of his appointment or? Um, I, I was, I wasn't for, I wasn't. And for one main reason, I'm afraid, I was afraid and it's kind of happened that his signing was going to divide the fans so greatly in the pro Jesus camp and the anti Jesus camp. And then what was going to happen? The pro Jesus camp, no matter what happened, they were going to defend them. Or praise him or whatever. In the end, the anti-Jesus were going to constantly be uh, critical or saying, yeah, they're only winning because of this or because of that, never giving him the credit. Um, so that was the main reason that I was I was a bit concerned um, or against, if you want to call it, against his, his signing. The other thing was, yes, he had success in Brazil. Now, I don't know about you guys. I don't follow Brazilian soccer too much. But when I was looking at the lineup that he had uh, at Flamengo when he was there, there were a bunch of guys who had spent most of their time in Europe or a lot of time in Europe and these big names. And I was like, is this a Brazilian super team that he's coaching? And 
he they, he's just they're just better and have better talent than everybody else around them. Um, now they went on to win the Libertadores with him in charge. They played good from what I understand, but I didn't know how much was thanks to him or how much was thanks to the team, which was one of the criticisms that he had when he was at Benfica during the first stretch. When we had, and if you look back at those lineups, those are almost super teams for the Portuguese league, right? And even then, we he won half of the time. Um, so I was against it because of the division that I thought it could create, and that has somewhat proven to have happened, where the the pro Jesus supporters are still giving him the benefit of the doubt, making excuses um, for the poor play we've been having, while the antis are kind of not not happy about this, but kind of just rehashing it all the time and saying, "See, we were right." That yeah. was my thought on on his signing. And what about the what about the season? As for the season, you know, I, I, I can't tell you one game where off the top of my head where we played well. Um, I, I it's just been a, a just a disaster. COVID, yes, has been a reason for the poor play. Maybe considered a, a reason for the poor play as of the past two months, but we were playing terrible leading up to this, leading up to the COVID outbreaks. Um, for whatever reason, no, before the season, another thing that uh, that everyone was saying was how this player is going to be better with Jesus, and that player is going to be better, and that player is going to be better. And we've had nobody, not even nobody playing better. Almost nobody's played well. I guess Weigel could be considered the one uh, upgrade compared to last season. But you no, know, Hafa continues to make the poor decisions. Uh, Peasy turning the ball over. The defense, you no, know, it took the center backs a little bit of time to set up, but you no, know, we're, we're giving up goals every game. Um, the forwards aren't scoring. I don't know, Everton, God bless him, he's supposed to be really good. I, I, no, no, I don't think anybody's seen it yet. And I'm waiting for the, the click, if you will, the switch for when the players are going to understand what he wants and put it together for a full 90 minutes, not 10, not 20, not 30, but 90 minutes of you no know, complete soccer, attacking, defending. And I'm waiting to see that day. And it better come Sunday or else uh, this season will definitely be uh, a write-off. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think uh, there's a lot of people that, uh, myself included, that agree with everything you've mentioned. Yes, COVID is is an is an excuse, and it's valid as a valid excuse, especially when you're starting to see now how the team uh, has been gelling and, and playing a little bit more consistency as a result of JJ having more time with the players to train the players. But yeah, but I mean, what happened from July? Uh, which is when training started all the way up to, let's say, December, which was right. when the team really started feeling the COVID, you know. So all of that, uh, and I understand that we're playing every three days, certainly. Uh, but, uh, you know, that, that Paok for me was a big letdown. Not sure. making into the Champions League was a big letdown for me. Uh, and I think that we kind of limped along, um, Lost that critical game against Boa Vista, uh, then lost against, lost against Praga. Then it, it, things kind of unraveled from there and, and we find ourselves in, uh, uh, fifth place, uh, fourth place right now. And, and the, another thing is, you no, know, Jesus has mentioned this, the lack of time, uh, in training that they've had. Um, yes, that, that's true, but, on the field, the, the the players look completely lost, disconnected. They don't know where they're supposed to go. They're expecting the guy to make a run on the right, and he's not there. I'm wondering, are they not? Do I, I know? Benfica, uh, Vieira, and Benfica keeps talking about the Seychelles and the state of the art facilities they have. Do they not have like video training sessions? Do they not have tablets and iPads where they could kind of just say, "Hey guys, if you're the right back, you got to do this," and we're playing the four-four-two, and we're playing this formation, and and we got to push up here because it looks like not only were they unable to practice physically on the field, but they didn't have any, you know, if you want to call it, in-class training, if you will where he's trying to get his ideas around um, because, you know, sure you can't all be on the field, but you can watch a little video of him explaining what his tactics are 
so that they have a better understanding. Because, like I said, lo- watching them sometimes, it's like they don't know what the heck's going on. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think that that uh, where there was times that the, the theme just showed an ap- a complete apathy uh, on the field, mm-hmm. lack of intensity, uh, lack of, of desire, lack of motivation, being pushed against the ropes by these minnows in the Portuguese league. I don't know. I, that's just not the Befica that I grew up with. And I can't, I, I'm not, I can't identify with the, with the way this Befica has played this season. And yes, there are excuses, of course. And, and I think that they're, they're starting to make a little sense now that we're, we're now seeing the team playing the way they are. But uh, yeah, I, I, I do ag- agree with you, especially with players that, players that have been around so he it's not like he just picked up a bunch of young kids like sporting did and kind of had to teach him all the fundamentals and all uh any everything about tactics positioning i mean these are players seasoned players that have played in the portuguese league that have played internationally and for them not to be able to assimilate the ideas even if it's just with very little time to me it's it's dumbfounding for me yeah with them Absolutely, the the players and I. I uh, by by what I've said, I don't want to say that the blame falls only on the coaching staff. Um, no, you've mentioned this before, and everyone everyone's mentioned this. Everyone's to blame, from Vieta with the, the decisions that they make, the coaching decisions, the players. Because some of the things that you no, know, Jorge Jesus can coach you, them twelve hours a day, but if the guy's going to pass the ball five feet away from the closest teammate, right out of bounds, that's not coaching. That, no, Jorge Jesus didn't coach them to pass the ball out of bounds. That's just the players having to put it together because they're professionals. They know they know what they're doing. Um, like I said, hopefully Sunday will be the, the the real turning point of the season. Yeah, even the execution up front, George, has been oh. absolutely miserable. <laughs> absolutely miserable. Terrible. Yeah. Uh, so let's get right into this. Mifika played the uh, Boavista at Stadio Luz in the, uh, a rematch, if you if you call it, from that three nothing. Uh, beating that uh, Boavista gave us uh, over at uh, Bessa in the first round. Uh, so Benfica was looking for some uh, some redemption here. Elton Leite was in goal. Uh, Gonçalves, Verissim, Otamendi and Grimaldo across the back. Weigel and Tarapta in the middle. Rafa on one side. Pedrinho on the other side. Uh, Waldschmidt behind Seferovic. Uh, Dave, what did you think of the lineup? Pedrinho certainly the surprise there. Yes, yeah, uh, definitely a surprise. Uh, I'm not sure if uh, Everton's got a, a knock or what um, what Zuzusha's, uh reasoning was behind that. But I mean, you would like to see the squad rotation when we were playing every three days. Now that we're playing once uh, once a week, it's kind of a, a head scratcher there. But uh, good to also give Pedrinho some uh, some opportunities there with uh, most of the uh, the guys in the starting 11. Usually when he's brought in as a starter, it's a complete uh, overhaul of the uh, starting 11. So maybe uh, JJ is trying to uh, integrate him with more of the uh, the first uh, team there. But other than that, it's pretty much our strongest uh, 11 going forward. Yeah, and George Vrissim, he came, he saw, and it looks like he is the center back. Do you think that He's justifying his starting position right now, or do you think that plays a little bit into the admission that existed already uh, that Vertonghen wasn't really the type of defender that JJ was looking for? Yeah. Vrissimus come in, and he's played well. I didn't think Vertonghen was playing poorly, uh, at least not in comparison to everybody else. But there was the comment by Vieta that he's not George Zuzu's type of guy. In my opinion, um, and I believe Cristiano follows this, I would play the three of them in the back with Vertonghen, Verissimo, and Otamendi. Um, now, Verissimo, he's been pretty good. But at the same time, um, no, he, we haven't played any really real competition uh, since he's been in, except for the Arsenal games. But in those games... It was basically a five defensive uh, uh, strategy, um, so it's really hard to, to to say. But he's looked okay. He's looked good. Uh, he seems to be getting along with uh, Otamendi. Uh, personally, I would like to see Vertonghen in there, uh, as I said, with a three center back uh, uh, system. Um, as for as for Pedrinho coming in, you know, uh, Jorge Zuz had made some comments earlier in the week saying that uh, nobody had a guaranteed spot in the lineup. 
And uh, if they wanted to have a guaranteed spot, that's you, you play in the second division or something to that effect. And I think everybody looked at PZ as the target of those comments, but maybe uh, Everton uh, was as well, because for large stretches, Everton's been playing every single game without really producing. And maybe this was the, 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 the time for him to, the, for Jesus to say, hey, Everton, this counts for you as well. I can't put you in every time unless you start producing a bit more. Yeah. Um, and Dave, what was supposed to be a, a, an interesting game f for Benfica became quite easy, uh, for Benfica after, uh, the ejection of the Bovista player in the eighth, eighth minute. Uh, so Bovista really played with 10 men for most of, uh, of most of the, the time. Uh, so, What we thought was going to be a good challenge for Rafika because there's some key pieces. And despite Bovista not been doing all that well this, this, uh, season, uh, there's some key pieces over there that could be challenging for Benfica. What did you think? Did, was this a game that you looked at and as you were watching and you said, man, we needed a game like this and, and a game where we're not nervous, that we're relaxed and that Benfica never really looked that it was going to lose. Yeah, Benfica never looked uh, challenged by Boa Vista and sure the red card played uh, a role in that. I know uh, at first it looked like it was going to be Benfica's first penalty called of the uh, season. Then we went to VAR and the uh, streak continues that uh, no penalties for Benfica this season. But we got the, the next best thing, which has probably helped us in the long run because who's to say we score from the, the penalty and then it's still 11-11 for uh, 11v11 for uh, another 80 minutes. And who's to say Bovisha doesn't uh, doesn't come and score against us. But that we'll never know with that. So I think we got the, the next best thing, which was uh, a red card. And like you said, we were able to uh, play our, our own game. And there wasn't really much, uh, there wasn't any nerves, at least from my part, um, watching this game, which was... Uh, Very good to uh, for my uh, my own mental health here because uh, February was not the greatest uh, of months watching Benfica. So it's good to uh, enjoy these uh, these games where Benfica is def definitely dominating and has the uh, positive result to go with it. The, uh, February wasn't one of the best months, but neither was January or December. So yeah, that's anyway. that's true as well. Yeah. <laughs> and, and George, um, Boavista dropped their lines, ultra defensive, right? So right. obviously with, with 10 men, uh, they were only going to try to strike on, on the counter. Uh, but taking into consideration where Benfica's, the whole team's mental state is not the strongest, getting that goal before halftime and understanding that As you come into the second half, now you have the clock going against you. It couldn't have happened better for Benfica before the half. Oh, I agree 100%. When, when the penalty call was made, I was happy for one reason, in that Volchmann made a beautiful turn in the box. And he was the one who was, who was lining up to take the penalty. And I was thinking, this could be a great opportunity for him to score, get a little bit more confidence because he hasn't scored in a while. And then maybe send him off, uh, off and running. The penalty was called back, which I thought was the right call, but at least led to the red card. Um, but as soon as Bovista set their lines back and they had zero intention of moving forward, but Fika got into the typical trap of passing it from one side of the box back to the central defense mid over to the other side and back and forth. And they were crossing it and. You know, either the headers were going over or they're going at the goalie. And I thought, oh my gosh, here we go again. Because we have not been able to break any closed defenses all season. The goal at the end at the end of the first half was exactly what the team and I needed personally. Because to go into the uh, locker room at the half, 0-0, being up for so long, I think it really would have got into their the players' heads. It would have got given Bovista a boost of confidence as well. And, um, yeah, it couldn't have been any better. And fortunately, we were then able to get the second one fairly early in the second, which really settled things down for us. Yeah, 57, 52nd minute, Seferovic added to his uh, tally, to his first goal tally. Another assist by Gonçalves. Dave, refreshing to finally see somebody on the right that can make a difference? 
Yeah, and I know we've spoken about uh, very few players turning uh, around their their careers, at least under JJ, where we've mentioned Vigo, but uh, Diogo Gonzalez uh, can't be forgotten uh, as well. He's a player that was uh, a, a winger coming into this season and JJ's experiment of uh, forming him into a, a wing back there has paid off and uh, him and Seferovic uh, look like they've got some sort of connection now because... Uh, Last three of uh, Seferovic's goals have all been as a, as a result of uh, Diogo, Go- Diogo Gonzalez's uh, assist there. So they've got some uh, partnership forming uh, there. But the the only question I have regarding Diogo Gonzalez, especially specifically relating to this game, relating to this game, is this: Did his good performance prove that he is the right back Benfica needs? Or, considering the way Boavista played, did he prove that he might be our strongest right winger? Because he didn't really defend. He didn't have to defend on uh, on uh, on the weekend. He was basically a winger. And he played very well, and he was in the box, and he was crossing. Can he maintain that style of play when he plays against Abraga on the weekend, who's going to attack much more and with much better players than Boavista? Um he hasn't really been able to to do both at this point at a, at a at a high level. I believe that I'm hoping that he will be able to. But my question regarding this game and his performance is: What did it really prove that he's a good attacking winger, or that he's a defender who's able to get back into the box, get up into the box, and then back with the help? We'll see. Yeah, yeah no, that's, that's a, a good, good point. Good point. Yeah, we haven't really had uh, that stiff of competition with, since he's uh, made the uh, the starting eleven. So I guess this this weekend against Braga is going to be the real uh, the real test here. Yeah, yeah I mean, in, in all fairness, he has been uh, putting in good, consistent shifts. And and granted, the competition is what it is, but that's the reality of the the Liga Nage, right? But yeah, a tremendous test coming up for him. And going forward, I don't think he has problems going forward and combining. I think that his defensive game has also improved, uh, especially in a tracking back. And you see his tracking back, and, and when you look at his tracking back and, and the decisions where he's making and also the spaces in which he's appearing when he tracks back and defending, uh, I think that has shown some some improvement on his part and also – a, pro, a, a progress in terms of becoming a, a right back. And JJ has already mentioned that he's not there yet, but he's continuing to work with him. And hopefully he's going to turn him to a really good right back, which is, that's my hope because we haven't had a, a, a really good right back since uh, Smith left. Yeah. Other than, yeah. other than Smith, our best, you no, know, for the last 15 Years, uh, our best right or left backs have been uh, converted wingers. Yeah, Miguel. No, um, so yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll go. And not to, uh, what I'm about to say is not to knock uh, Gilberto, but it's not like Gilberto is that much better defensively than Gonçalves has proven to be so far. Um, so I think Gonçalves appears to give a little bit more on offense. Uh, than Gilberto, so uh, let's move forward and, and uh, hopefully he'll continue to to develop and get better. Yeah, these performances do add to the confidence level. Uh, no and, and and Dave, talking about confidence level, Seferovic, man, he got the hat trick, but one was called back. Uh, but certainly, he's gotten a hot foot at this point. He's got the hot foot. That's right. I think the third goal was called off by seven centimeters uh how var de- determined the seven centimeters god only knows but yeah th- last week we spoke about whether or not it was uh time to give darwin uh, a rest and if when darwin's healthy if he's uh if he gets the starting uh position right away but if uh Seferovic's out, i think we just gotta keep keep riding him until uh until he proves otherwise Mind you, like we've mentioned in the past, he does miss. Uh, he's got two good chances, but he'll miss five or six or seven. But you know, he's putting the he's still putting some away, and uh, that's all we can ask for at this uh, at this moment. Yeah, absolutely, and we need to, for him to put it away, and we need to get continue continue to get the three points, four wins in a row, four clean sheets, something that hadn't happened in quite some time. Uh, 
defensively, it looks like we're shoring things up. Uh, the change between Helton and Vlakodimus, albeit in my opinion, wasn't something that needed to be done. But certainly in training, you do see things and the goalkeeping coach will alert JJ to, hey, this guy's in better form or this guy's better with his feet or this guy controls the depth and being that JJ likes to play with a high line, perhaps you need that goalie. Not perhaps you definitely need that goalie to be able to control that depth in the back. And I think that, uh, that, uh, Helton Lake does that well, uh, plays well with his feet, but I think this biggest advantage over Vlako Dimus and granted Vlako Dimus is probably much better between the pipes is Coming out, coming out for crosses, getting off his line to grab those, grab those balls. I think that's been great. And, and I think that when the defense has a goalie behind them that they know that he has good control of the box in terms of aerial play and also the space behind their back, I think that it, it just adds to the confidence of the defensive line. Uh, so, so far it seems that the bet that JJ had with uh, Elton late in terms of putting him in play seems to be working out and seems that to be successful for JJ so far uh, in terms of, uh, of his choice. So we'll, we'll see, but uh, yeah, I think um, I'm liking the progression and evolution that this team has, has had uh, since they finally got rid of all the COVID uh, cases. And it seems that they're, they're on a good streak, uh, but now we got Braga, which is a huge test. But before we get into Braga, Dave, numbers on this Movista game. Yeah, first time in Seferovic's uh, career that he scored a brace in uh, consecutive uh, games. Uh, the first meeting between these two clubs uh, produced 31 fouls for uh, Boavista against Benfica, uh, which was the most in the Liga Noj uh, so far this season. But the, this last meeting here, only seven fouls produced by Boavista, which has been the uh, least amount of fouls. Um, they've really just sat back and once they uh, were playing a man short. So, um, and like you said, four straight victories across all competitions and all four have uh, produced clean sheets. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um any any more thoughts on this game before we move on to the next topic? We're good to go. Good to go. All right. So Benfica will play Braga this Sunday, eight PM local. I don't believe uh, Portugal has done daylight daylight savings uh, time yet, and I don't think it will happen this weekend either. Uh, so I think that right now we're four hours difference from uh, from from Portugal. Um, so 8 p.m. local. Braga is currently in third place. 16 wins, two ties, five losses. They have the third, uh, best, uh, attack. Uh, the game is at, uh, at the Pedreira. Um, Dave, what's Braga been up to? I mean, we all know what Braga has been up to, but what numbers you got on Braga? Uh, they've defeated Benfica in their last three meetings, which is something that they've never been able to do in uh, their history of their their club. Um, coming into this match, they just recently dropped points against Famalicão uh, yesterday to uh, to draw with uh, former Benfica player Eriberto uh, scoring the late equalizer there. So they're only uh, they've dropped to third with that draw and only two points ahead of Benfica. So this is a all important tie for us. To uh, to climb up the standings, yeah. And George, they haven't lost for the league since the middle of January, and have only lost five five games overall. Only one at the Pedreira, and the five losses that they have: Pas Ferreira, Sporting, Bolnenses, Santa Clara, and Porto. And the losses against Santa Clara and Porto, round one and round two. So as uh, as Braga was getting going uh, and also dealing with Europa League play, um, but th- this Braga is certainly the Cinderella story. I mean, Sporting is definitely the surprise, but I think that Braga has been um, competing for the top space places for a, for a while now, for a couple seasons. What, what do you make of this Braga team? And I don't know if you've watched them too much this season. So I was just going to say, I'd be lying if I said I watched too much, very much of them uh, this year. But from what I've heard from um, my friends and, and relatives in Portugal and what I've read, um, uh, many of them believe that they're actually playing the best soccer, the the the, the best looking soccer in, in Portugal, if you will. Which, considering the way Porto, Benfica, and Sporting have played this year, even though Sporting's been winning, 
isn't saying that much. Um, I what they I I I like their lineup up front. Um, you know, uh, the Arta uh, Arta Gaitan, he, he's in and out because of injury. Um, they had Paulinho. I'm impressed with them since they lost Paulinho to um, Sporting. I thought that they were going to have a really hard time um, uh, popping in goals, but they have this young uh, Spaniard now. I forget his name. Uh, Ruiz. Yes, Ruiz. Alan Ruiz, I think, um, who seems to have kind of stepped in and, and uh, kept it going for them. Um they're, they've they've been able to really stabilize themselves as a club, um, producing young talent that they've been able to sell for big money, uh, being able to keep players um, that they've wanted to keep, not necessarily selling them right away. So the 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 Braga uh, club in itself has really really uh, boosted itself. Um, It'll be obviously hard to ever get to the level of the big three because the history and the numbers of the supporters they have. But they're they're definitely the fourth uh, biggest club in Portugal, and they keep getting better. And uh, they're never an easy win, as Benfica's three losses to them proves. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think that when you look at Braga these past few years, these past few seasons, you really can't help to think that they're very well managed, right? So from Picking up these players who are big club rejects, mm-hmm. right? And really bringing them into the, their own and really have them be a huge ass, huge assets for this team. And then being able to build up on that every year, picking up this guy here, picking up this guy there. Uh, Orta has been, has been great. Ruiz has been great. Lucas Piazon, which they picked up in the winter window has also been great. Musrati, uh, has been. Oh, I, I don't even know where this guy came from, but again, that speaks to the level of management that this team has had where they obviously don't have the budget that Sporting Porto and Benfica will have, but they're smart in the way they're buying. They're just not buying lottery guys. They buy players and those players become assets and important players to the team. So in that aspect and in the way the team has been managed with limited funds, They've been able to be very consistent these past few seasons. What I find even more impressive is that they've had quite a bit of changeover in the coaching staff Yeah, all these years. So it's not like they've had the same guy that, uh, in charge for three, four years. The, 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 the club is stable enough and the quality of the players is there that even though the, they've been, you know, have been uh, on a bit of a coaching carousel, um, the foundation is there to uh, to continue to play uh, very well, and um, you know they're they're in the, they're in the cups. They're fighting for the year, uh, Champions League top spots, and that's all you can ask out of a, a team like Braga. Yeah, last year they won the League Cup. Yep. Um, this this year they didn't win it, but they were in a the final. They're in the Portuguese Cup final against uh, against Benfica, their first yep. ever uh, final, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so it, it's been a, it's been a team, like I said, consistent. And, and George, I think you, br- you bring up a great point in terms of the coaching changes that they've had. So before Carvalhal, they had, uh, Ruben Amorim, obviously. Uh, before Ruben Amorim, they had somebody else, the, which I, I don't remember who it was right now. Sapinto. Eh. <laughs> 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 All right. Scratch that. But, but, but yeah, I, I mean, when the team goes through that level of coaching changes and guys coming in with different ideologies, with different training methods and to be able to produce consistency the way that they have, uh, and even we can make a comparison to Benfica, right? In a way that they were playing the same amount of games that Benfica was playing on a weekly basis yep. under a new coach. And you could say, well, uh, these players have been long, been in together uh, for a longer period of time than, than, uh, Benfica. You can make that argument, but certainly is a team that throughout this pandemic and they weren't as hard hit as Benfica. They have been able to manage their training in their video sessions. Going back to your point, George, correctly to the point that the players have embraced Carvalhal's ideology, Carvalhal, which which I I, I rate highly, um, and have done very well, and have kind of slipped under the radar and just waiting f- waited for the other clubs to to slip 
Um, and they find themselves in, in a position right now where it's, it's a very good position to be able to make, uh, Champions League qualifying spot in, in the third spot of the Portuguese league would be great for them. But certainly, uh, after dropping points to Famalicão, which was unexpected. And again, that game was a little fishy too. You got that, that penalty on mm-hmm. Andre Orta. That's another, uh, ghost penalty. Uh, but certainly they find themselves in a position uh this weekend against Mefica that I think it's their season because if they lose if they lose this game Befica will leapfrog them uh and then the way Befica has carried momentum right and they need to carry momentum through this game I think it's going to be hard for Befica to lose another game this uh this league I mean you got Porto but Porto's involved in the champions. Who knows how much gas that's going to take out of them. Sporting, I think, at this point is, is a foregone conclusion that they will win the championship. But certainly, this is a game for them that's going to be do or die. The same way that it's for Benfica. So I'll be interested uh, to see what's going to go on at the Pedreira this weekend. George, I'm, what are your I, thoughts, man? I'm a, I'm In terms of the game, I'm concerned that both teams, because there's so much online, that they're going to be so scared that it's going to end up being... Uh, an uneventful uh, 0-0 draw where both teams are afraid to uh, to take a chance. Because um, like you said, it, this is must-win for both. Um, one, so throughout the season, we've noticed how the lack of fans has hurt. Well, I've, I've felt the lack of fans in the stadium has hurt Benfica because Benfica always plays with the supporters behind them 100%, 90% of the stadium when they're on the road except for the the Porto Sporting and Braga games. Um, and when they're at home, they don't have the support. And when they're on the road, they don't have the support. This is going to be a game where I think it's we're, we're going to benefit from there not being any fans, supporters in the stadium, because Braga has proven to be a a hard place to play, and the fans are are, are into the games, and the the venom that the the, the Braga fans will 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 unleash uh, during the games against Benfica, um, it's tough. It's a tough place to play, and I think that not having the fans in the stadium will help Benfica uh, play with a little bit less uh, under less pressure. Um, not that that should affect players who are playing at Benfica; they should be able to play anywhere. But they've proven last year or so that they they don't seem to be the the strongest uh, mentally. Um, but I, I'm hoping for a win, but I'm expecting a, a, a draw with little action because of the, 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 the amount of pressure on both teams for this uh, game. Yeah. Dave, what are your expectations for this game? I share the same, uh, share the same thoughts as George, but I think we're going to have a Mitruglu uh, moment where uh-huh. it's going to be zero, zero right up until the end. And we're going to find a, a goal, right? Uh, towards the last moments of the game. So hopefully my boy Seferovic is still on the pitch at that uh, moment and is able to get a, a head on uh, on the ball or get his cement feet behind uh, the behind and through the ball and we get the win. But I think it, I, I think it's going to be a really close game. Not too many uh, teams are gonna may, aren't going to risk uh, themselves creating chances. It's going to be very uh, structured game, but I, I think where you pull it off with a, a one nil victory uh, right at the end there. Yeah. Speak, speaking of of Seferovic, uh, I'm not a huge fan of his. I'm not a hater of his. He's he's a good player. He's he's led the league in goals. I believe he led the league in goals two years ago. If he didn't, he was he was right up there. Yeah. Um, and he's proving this year he can he can score as well. Um, yes, he misses a lot of chances, but for the older fans. You'll remember, you no, know, it was famous. Uh, Izaish was famous for taking ten shots a game and scoring one. If you score one, you can take as many as you need. And Seferovic may take, may miss five, six, seven chances, but if he can score one or two every game, hey, I'll take it. Yeah, but one thing is Izaish that shot from far, uh, yes. and so you used to get those goals from far away. I mean, I mean, we've seen Seferovic miss some ridiculous <laughs> tap in some at at times. So, and if, if, uh, speaking of of uh, shots from afar, I, I don't know if if Benfica players get. This is going to go back to the season. If I, I forgot to mention this earlier, I don't know if Benfica players get fined for shooting it from outside the box <laughs> or what. But the the goal that was called back by Tar- on Tarapt this past weekend um, was a great example of 
what can happen when you shoot? Shoot, it might go in. But if you can players, do not shoot the ball. Have we scored a goal from outside the box this year? If we have, I don't remember. It's maybe, we don't maybe one or two. Maybe maybe one or two. In the but beginning of the season. I was gonna say, yeah, at the beginning of the season, it, I feel like we were that's all we were doing was just shooting from outside the box. But it's it, definitely dried up now. If we're not scoring from no inside the six, let's start scoring from outside the eighteen. But we'll see. I know yeah. Everton Everton tries that shot and he's hit the bar and and he's getting closer, hopefully. But we'll see. Yeah, look, uh, I I think I'm I I'm waiting for this game of great expectation because I I think that Benfica has definitely picked up some momentum. Braga has only lost one game at home uh, this season. Uh, they have also had some really really good games uh, against Porto, especially uh, in which they've been able to get the best of Porto in the Taça de Portugal uh, and also for the championship. Um, but uh, I, I'm interested to see if this tie against Famalicão uh, kind of hurts Braga a little bit, especially because of how the tie happened in the final minutes. They let those uh, three points go, and it could have been a cushion that they had on Benfica now heading into this game. Now they head into this game with no margin to maneuver. Uh, if they lose Benfica leapfrogs, as, as leapfrogs them, as I mentioned. Uh, but certainly... It's going to be a test to this team's composure uh, to see if they can hang out with the big boys, especially in this last stretch of the season, where every point is so important, especially when you're trying to place in those higher positions to get into Europe. Uh, again, I don't think that Braga will miss Europe, but making it to the Champions League and making it to the Europa League for a club like Braga, there's a huge difference in terms of uh, financially implications. So I- I'm curious, man, and I think that this is going to be a a really good game, uh, and I hope that uh, both teams put on a good show. But I'm I'm feeling confident because of what I've seen from Benfica so far, but not only from this Boavista game, but also from the games before that, where it seems that Benfica is getting more and more consistent in the way they play at more and more periods of time because George, as you mentioned the inconsistency or showing up one half, not showing up the other half um, this and that playing a good 10, 15 minutes and then just disconnecting. I I think that I've been seeing more and more uh, periods where Benfica has been good these past few games. I the, the Rio, I think the Rio Ave game was a good example of that where, they started really well for 10, 15 minutes in the first half, and then they just fell apart at the end of the first half. But then they brought it back in the second half, and then they yeah. played better in the second half. At the start of the season, after those first 15 minutes, there was zero left. So there's definitely there are definitely longer periods of uh, better soccer, if you want to call it that, more passing, more more in- interconnecting, uh, more b- uh, better play. Um, and I'm hopeful that. That is going to continue with, you know, since we lost, since the, the cup game to Sturil, I think, was maybe the last midweek game we've had. It's been a couple of weeks where Jesus has had the time um, playing just on the weekends uh, for the past two weeks, I believe, to put some training in. Um, you know, he's mentioned that some players that were running, t- I think it was Weigel he mentioned specifically, was running 10 kilometers at one point. Now he's running 13 kilometers that maybe they're getting their stamina up, their strength back. Um, so I, I'm, I'm confident that they're going to be playing better. Um, now, whether we'll, whether they'll be able to put it on the on display on Sunday, uh, I hope. Um, as for the mental aspect for Braga with the draw they just had, um, no, it would be it, it would make sense to think that they're going to go in with a little bit of doubt, a little bit of concern. But at the same time, a team that can go into the Dragão and score three goals in like, what thirty minutes, they're obviously even though there are no fans there. Um, they are obviously a team that that can can focus and put things together and separate uh, the the good and the bad. So Braga's proven both parts. They can go into the Dragon and lose and and score three goals in thirty minutes. They can drop a two nothing lead. I believe it was two nothing that they dropped uh, against the Famalicão. Um, so, anyways, it'll be a lot to lot to dissect after this game. Um, anything can happen. I, would, would, it, would it surprise me if Braga scored three goals in the first half? No. Would it, well, it would surprise me, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me. Would it shock me if Benfica scored three goals in the first half? A little bit, but both teams can do it. 
Um, the, the question is whether they can put it together on the field. Yeah, no, absolutely. It'd be an interesting match, man. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and I think, I hope to be a good match with obviously Benfica, uh, coming out on, on, uh, on a winning, uh, end, but, but certainly it's not going to be easy. No, I, I have to say this. If you're, if you're going to uh, uh, offer me two choices, a good match or a Benfica win on a terrible match, I'll take Benfica win on a terrible match any day. Oh yeah. All day. <laughs> Give I, me the I three points. Think... That's right. Yeah, I I think uh, all day that's not even uh, a question. I will I'll, exactly. with the way the season has gone, I will take the the ugly wins any day. Uh, no, we haven't had a PK on our favor. If the referee decides to invent the PK on the weekend and we win one nothing, I'll take it. <laughs> I think that uh, a lot of us will take a PK at at any point for sure. Uh, Or I'm wondering if this will become much like the 1972 season where Benfica went undefeated. Benfica will go pen- <laughs> penaltyless uh, throughout the whole season. It'll be interesting to see. But uh, looking forward to this game, man. I really am, man, because I think that I, I you know, I, I'm I'm not a fanatic to the point that all I see is Benfica. I know how to appreciate what other teams have done this season, and certainly if there's a team that that's impressed me this season with their organization and their maturity has been Braga. So I'm looking forward to this game, and I think it will be a good test for Benfica. I think uh, after these games where we kind of face teams that were there haven't been doing all so well, we had two games with Sturil also there for the Portuguese Cup, uh, Riwav, but certainly this match is, is of a higher uh, challenge level, if you will, For Benfica, so I'm I'm interested I'm I'm curious, man, to see what the, and looking forward to this game to see how this is going to develop. So, good stuff. No doubt. No doubt. Good. Um, what else, Dave? International break is upon us. Uh, it's been, a, it's been a while. Yeah, Fernando since announced his uh, his lineup. Uh, Rafa was the only Benfica player uh, to make that. On the U21s, five Benfica players called to that, uh, that squad. Uh, so it, it's good to see that Benfica is at least in strength, uh, in the, in the U21s, which means that Benfica's future is, uh, is there. So it either means it's there or they're, they're both to get loaned out <laughs> one, or, one or the other. That could be, yeah. that could be, that could I, be. I, I have to say, um, I was happy to see Hafa's name on the list. Um, he's been playing, he's been showing some energy. He hasn't been able to, you know, put the ball in the net. It seems like Gareth, uh, while at Benfica, he's in the, the four years he's been there. I forget now how many it's been, four or five. He had about a year, 10 months where he was putting everything together, where he was putting the runs and the dribbling and the scoring uh, together. Now it's kind of fallen off again, but I'm hoping that this call up can boost his confidence. Um, Being with the, 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 the Ronaldos and the Felixes and the, and the other, the other stars can kind of, you know, give, even if, even if it's, he's unlikely to play, um, hopefully it'll, he'll come back to the team with a little bit of confidence and, uh, ready to finally put the ball in the net on a consistent basis. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm like you, man. I always look for these little moments as confidence boosters. Yeah. Right. Cigar, regardless of whether the guy is putting the ball in the back of the net or he makes the best decisions when it comes to the final pass, I think when he's on, uh, and I'm not talking about in front of goal or not, but when he's on, he's almost unplayable in terms of speed, in terms of how he progresses uh, on the field with the ball and, and how hard it is to uh, catch up to him. I think that he, he brings that, um, that to the national team that – Perhaps not a lot of guys have that level of speed in the national team, and I think that's what he brings to the national team. His ability to run uh, with the ball uh, with speed is is very impressive. Unfortunately, at least in the Portuguese league, it leads to him getting fouled a lot, uh, especially when you no know, when they're in the midfield. Um, But yeah, he, he's definitely a unique player. And going back to 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 the Benfica squad, real quick. He and, and Tarapt are almost the only two players that you'll see on a given Sunday or a given weekend beating a player one on one. No, rarely does a Benfica player now 
run past or deke a, a, an opposing player. Hafa and Tarapta are the two guys that that somewhat consistently do that. Yeah, no, I have to agree. I have to agree. So we shall see. Um, I think that's all we got. It was a nice and short one. Obviously, when Cristiano's not here and when he promises not to talk too much, always <laughs> ends up uh, with a, with the stretch over one hour. We're just under 50 minutes, and I think that we covered everything that we needed to cover. George, um, if Bifica finishes second, qualifies uh, for the Champions League directly, wins the Portuguese Cup, is the season a success for you? So if you ask me this at the beginning of the season – I'd say no. But if you ask me now, I'll, I, I would, I would, it would be a success. Considering the start that we've had, if that was to occur, I would have to consider it uh, a success. Yes. Dave, what about you? I share the same uh, thoughts. If you At the beginning of the season, you would have thought we were crazy saying that Benfica finishes second is a success. But... Given all the the drama that we've gone through this season and the COVID outbreak, what which what I was going to bring up when you guys are talking about Rafa is he one of the few players that hasn't gotten COVID? You know, it's funny that you say that, but I, I do think that he had COVID. I would have okay. to go back to my notes, but I, I do think that uh, there was only two players on the Befica squad that didn't have COVID. Yeah, and now okay. I forget who they are, so, but I Samadis, think I think what Samadis and Rafa, I think were were yeah. were one of the I, few. I don't remember some. Um, uh, sorry, I don't remember Rafa missing any like any stretch of games. So I yeah. think that's that Rafa may be one of the ones who did not uh, one of the guys who did not get it yet. So the reason why I just bring that up is I'm kind of concerned with him going away on international <laughs> break. Yeah. Know, we better not come back with uh, with COVID or some new variant and infect this team again. And we're uh, back to square one. But <laughs> but uh, yeah, considering all the, the drama surrounding COVID and how poorly this team played at stretches, if if you give us a second place and uh, Natasa at the end of the season, I think we can uh, go home happy. Yeah, I I do think that I I share the the same sentiments as you guys, especially how far we have been from first and second place to be able to finish that, to be able to have a run of games at this time of the season. You beat Braga. Let's hope we beat, beat Braga. Uh, then you got Maritim. You also have a couple of you got Pasfreda still. You got Porto at the Luge. Uh, and you got Sporting to to finish the season or the lap, lap before last game of the season or something, uh, where Sporting may have already wrapped up the title. Uh, I think that if you go on a run and that run um, puts you in a position where you're in second place and you qualify directly into the Champions League, I think that at this point and considering everything that's happened this season, should be considered a success. The Portuguese Cup, I I I think that if we don't win the Portuguese Cup. Uh, and even if we uh, come in second and qualify directly for the Champions League, to me, the Portuguese Cup has to be something that we win this season, especially with the drought over the years that we have had with the Portuguese Cup. Uh, there's been way too many Jamor, or not Jamor now, but too many Portuguese Cup finals where we've kind of left uh, there empty-handed. Uh, games against Vitória de Guimarães, for example, uh, this last season against uh, Porto, which very uh, an embarrassing loss. Um, but to me, I think the Portuguese Cup has to be something that Benfica wins. For sure, the second the second place, just second place, won't make it a successful season. N- yeah. No way. Um, financially, maybe. Financially, it's good, but but in terms of making it a, a successful season, no. Um, just real quick, uh, I, there's no point talking this very long, but I haven't been on for a while. So the the, from my opinion, the cup loss last year against Porto, where we were up a man for for how long? That for me was one of the more embarrassing defeats. Yeah. That was almost more embarrassing than when we lost five nothing uh, to them, but that's old. Uh, that's old spilt milk. There's no point in uh, talking about that anymore. Um, but yeah, the cup in second place, like I said, for me would make it a, a successful season. Yeah, I agree with you. And here's the other thing too: not being in the Champions League next season. 
how does that damage your chances of bringing in a player that we need, for example, a number eight that we need that's a high-caliber player that would fit in this team that could come and play, be a, a, a no-brainer starter? That could hurt your chances, too, if you don't make the Champions League. For sure. I, I, I don't know how... Uh, no, at the beginning of the season, there was a whole Cavani uh, drama, of course, right? And one of the things that I remember reading was that Cavani, one one of the many reasons probably that he didn't want to sign or he hadn't signed was he wanted to guarantee Champions League. Big players don't want to play Europa League. Now, if it's a case like, like even Vertonghen, would Vertonghen have come if he knew that we would have been in the Europa League? Maybe not. Who knows? Um, so that is going to be a definite uh, uh, ace up our sleeve, getting in the Champions League when we're looking to pick up uh, players in the offseason. No, I, I agree. It's it's very important. Uh, and I think even financially for the team. And and you don't know if, uh, I mean, I'm sure that Everton wants to play in the Champions League. Right. Uh, Cavani with the whole drama. Cavani ended up going to play, play the Europa League for Manchester United and he's That's barely true. played. Uh, so right now he's probably thinking, well, if I had if I had gone to Benfica, I'm playing every single game. I'm I'm breaking all these records. <laughs> <laughs> Suppose allegedly, right? He would be having a fantastic season, and then he also puts himself in a position where he could go make a lot of money elsewhere uh, if he has a breakout. Well, not a breakout season because he's already on the decline of his career, right. but certainly uh, would put himself in. At the world stage, being able to help Benfica to a title and even Benfica in, in the Europa League or whatever. Um, but yeah, but uh, you know, it, that, that thing dragged out way too long. I, th- yes. I think that Benfica lost a lot of focus on going after guys that were more realistic targets instead of wasting time in that whole Cavani thing, which ended up being a, a huge debacle. Uh, and another, uh, stain in, in this, uh, in this directive. So. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, well, that's all I got, man. George. Um, I just want to, uh, a shout out to my boys, uh, Lino, Neil, Vasco, all my, uh, fellow Benfiquistas out there. I'm sure they'll be happy to hear me on. Um, and I have to say, I'm glad to be here because, you know, I'm up in the, the great north, uh, the nation's capital here in, uh, in Ottawa. And you wouldn't believe it. I walked down the street and people stopped me. They're like, George, when are you going to go back on the Bifiga podcast? Really? I'm like, I don't even know these people. And they're like, hey, aren't you the guy from the Bifiga podcast? I'm like, well, once in a while. And now I can actually st- and say, listen, listen to the, the March 16th episode and you'll see and you'll hear me. So thank you for having me on. It was a, it was a pleasure. Prime That's Minister awesome. Trudeau is uh, pulling you over in Ottawa there, asking <laughs> when you're coming back on uh, on the Benfica podcast. I love for sure, it. for sure. The vaccine people are looking for you. They want to vaccinate you. <laughs> <laughs> they, there's there's no vaccine to take care of this Benfica virus. That's for sure. Yeah, I don't want to get right. rid of that one. No, it, it's it's always a, a pleasure to have you on. You always have a, a nice take on on everything Benfica and. You're just as as big of a diehard as as we are, except you suffer in silence. We suffer publicly <laughs> sure. as every week on this podcast. But, For sure. but it's always uh, it's always good to have you on, man. And 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 it's great that when people uh, recognize you and say, "Hey, aren't you guys? Aren't you the guy from Bifiga Podcast?" That's awesome, man. That's yeah, that's yeah. really awesome. That's really awesome, Dave. Do people recognize you on the street, or you just put your hoodie on and you pretend? <laughs> You don't make eye contact. The only time I've been recognized was outside of the Avalad when I went uh, a couple of years back. And I uh, I don't even know. It was another Benfica that we were going to see a, a Sporting Europa League match. And I got stopped by uh, by some, uh, one of our podcast listeners. But that's the only time that I've uh, I've been recognized. And that's it was awesome. funny that that's been out front of the Avalad of all places. Out of all places. Of all uh, places. Funny. Awesome. So that's all we got uh, for you this week, uh, George. Uh, you want to? I know you're not that active on social media, but if you want to throw out your Twitter, sure. Uh, I believe it's at negative George. I think the last thing I uh, tweeted was uh, threatening uh, Cristiano for using uh, pr- uh, positive Cristiano, which was a trademark <laughs> infringement on my name. Um, but yeah, I'm there. I'm not very uh, active, but uh, if 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 the fans demand it, if the fans demand it, maybe I'll tweet more often. 
<laughs> there you go. Uh, at 87DO87 is where you can find Dave. At 10CO10, at Bifinka Podcast. There's all of us on, on Twitter, BifinkaPodcast.com, um, and all that. Thank you very much. Next week, we'll be back. We'll be back next week, Dave. We'll recap the Braga game. And then we'll take a, a break because of uh, of uh, international break. Maybe we'll do something special for next week. We'll see. All right, guys. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Take care. Forza Befica. Talk to you next week. Later, everyone.